It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and of course, wherever you get your podcast from. Well, I hope your weekend is going well. We are up to a Sunday, and it is April the 16th today, and many of you are going to no doubt be looking at real estate today, hoping to find the one. Because it's a little bit like dating, isn't it? When you're searching for property, lots of similarities. You have a checklist of what you are looking for. You want something that presents itself well, that has good bones and no termites or pest control work required and something that is aesthetically pleasing. And then once you find a property online, just like dating, you have the first meeting where you will either fall in love or walk away, disillusioned and wondering why you bothered turning up in the first place. So if you are looking at property, good luck with that first date. Every morning from 6am, we bring you the latest real estate news with diverse perspectives from leading industry experts. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. Well, coming up next is seven days of real estate across Australia and some of the interviews this week included talking with David Bassanese, the chief economist for Better Shares, about the interest rate rises and whether or not we can expect to see a rate cut by as early as November this year, which would make things pretty interesting. We also spoke to Jeremy in Canberra this week, where the fastest auction took place. A little bit of a record for Canberra, I think. And we also spoke with Monica Shaw from Bondi, talking about this important property market and the latest values, the sentiment among vendors, and is the market bottoming out. And also on Friday, we spoke to Antoinette Nido from Turak in Melbourne about the state of the Turak market and why it is dominating top sale prices and where are the buyers coming from. So that is all coming up in just a moment. If you're celebrating your birthday, happy birthday, you're celebrating it with Martin Lawrence, the actor. He is turning 57 today. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, let's check on Sydney first. Uh, Expecting a little bit of cloud, but it should be a mainly dry and fine day. And 25 is your forecast top. Little cooler conditions in Melbourne today with some rain expected. That temperature just getting up to 17 degrees. In Brisbane, it is the spot to be. A sunny Sunday with 30 is your forecast high. And in Perth, expect a little bit of rain today, but you'll also get long dry periods and your high of 22. We're a lot more than just real estate. Available for breakfast from 6am. Then, on the drive to work, 
or in your ear at the gym. In fact, wherever you go, we're available seven days a week. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. I, look, I think we may see the end of the price falls. I mean, uh, nationally, house prices are down around about 10% from their highs of early last year. In areas like Sydney, it's down almost 15% and Melbourne just over 10%. Problem is, is that yes, if even if the RBA doesn't raise rates anymore from here, it's, it's only going to start cutting rates if, if the economy does slow and the unemployment rate, you know, goes up a little bit over the next year. So I think affordability is still pretty challenging. I'm sure, you know, many of your listeners would know that, you know, mortgage repayments to, to buy a property at the moment, if you're on average incomes, is, is pretty challenging. I don't anticipate a big immediate bounce back in house prices, but I do anticipate a sort of bottoming out of prices at, at um, you know around current levels. And what about the ongoing banking crisis overseas and the potential impact on global interest rates? How much of a factor do you see that playing out in the next six months? Yeah, it will be. Look, it's interesting that other central banks around the world, uh, the United States and in Europe, for example, actually increased rates uh, in recent weeks, even in the face of that, those banking uh, issues. So we did have an upsurge in banking instability, global banking instability in recent weeks. It's largely sort of died down, at the, I think, at the moment. I don't anticipate it becoming a, you know, a major crisis event. We will have a, um, like a general slowing of lending it's going to contribute to a slowing of lending globally, particularly in the United States, and so contribute to a slowdown in growth. But, you know, that's what central banks wanted to have happen anyway. So to the extent that happens, it just means other central banks won't need to raise rates as aggressively. And I think in terms of the RBA, they actually, I don't think that the financial instability figured into their thinking because uh, other central banks weren't concerned about it. It was more, again, the signs, domestic data showing a, a slowing of consumer spending and an easing of inflation. Those are the two things that, that caused them to pause rather than necessarily a lot of fear about you know, global banking instability. A question from every mortgage holder in Australia this morning, and that is, when do you see the next rate rise happening? Well, look, it could come as early as next month. Uh, We do have a quarterly consumer price index report, which is actually the more important, most comprehensive measure of inflation uh, that does come out later this month. Now, if that surprises on the high side and and the December quarter one actually also surprised on the high side, I don't anticipate that it will. But if it did, the RBA could raise rates as early as next month. But otherwise, I actually think they're going to be on hold now for at least three to six months. And I think over that time, we will see more signs of a slowing in growth such such that they probably won't need to raise interest rates again. Uh, and in fact, you know, the next move could be a rate cut as early as, you know, say November, October of this year. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. You are working, as we mentioned, there in Canberra. You're working as an auctioneer. What's happening around these lowball offers in your market? Is that still a factor at the moment? It is, it is. Actually, I had one uh, recently. It was a, a three-year-old property in a, in a fairly good suburb called Demon Prospect. And uh, price guide was was mid-nines for that one. And uh, yeah, had someone sort of give it a $700,000 offer, which I thought was, uh, you know, it takes a bit of courage to put a, a lowball offer like that. And they, they did increase it to 800, so I was grateful for that. But there are people who are, who are trying, you know, trying their luck, and you can't blame them for that. But you know, eventually, we keep the property on the market, and the market does meet meet the eventual sale price. 
Now, you had an auction the other day, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast. Record time. It was all over and done with. I think the stopwatch was at, what, three minutes and 58 seconds? Indeed, indeed. It's sort of a, a dream case scenario. Uh, but I guess with that one, uh, Lisa Harper, the, the listing agent for the property, did a great job in in her communications with the buyers. We kind of knew where each buyer was with their budget. And there were also a couple of situation or personal, a bit more details behind their offers, uh, which affected that. So we, I went around and had a chat with all the buyers as well. And, and we spoke about strategy. I said, look, don't hold back. Just give us your best. And so rather than sort of drawing out on the auction floor, they all had a bit of a plan and were able to sort of be quite confident and quite quick with their bidding. And and the owners were were already, they knew what what range they, they were expecting. They were happy to release the property at the price we got to. How, how unusual was that though? Because you'd just be getting your throat warmed up, wouldn't you? Indeed, indeed, yes. When the hammer came down, I thought, uh, gosh, it, it did feel a lot quicker when I was up there and thinking, oh, I mean, the auctioneer's greatest fear could be an agent's fear is, how do we undersell the property? But uh, again, all went into the preparations in the days before leading up to that and just knowing the situation with the sellers, with the buyers, and that way it all came together quite quickly. And looking ahead uh, for yourself personally, how, how do you think you're going to go for the next two to three months there in Canberra, particularly around sort of the sentiment on what the market is doing? Well, the wonderful thing is the population's increasing quicker than they could build property. So there's always going to be demand and there's always those life uh, changes that uh, require people to either sell or buy property. So I feel good agents will always have plenty of work. Uh, if Again, just having leading back to those conversations and, and it's, it's a, it really is a people business and, and just being there at the right time uh, with the connections that we have. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. So I don't know if I would say it's bottomed out yet. I don't want to say we're on the rise, but on the flip side, we are still seeing really good properties selling for amazing prices and some even above reserve or expectation of the client because it is, you know, a different level. Yes, because we spoke to Warren Hogan a couple of weeks ago, The Economist, and he said that there is still some way to go regarding house prices coming down. Here's what he said. The substantial falls we've seen to date in Australian property prices are only about half the correction that will ultimately be needed. If indeed my assessment is right that the RBA cash rate needs to get up to around 4 to 4.5%, we need to get the real interest rate, that is interest rates minus inflation, up to at least zero, if not a bit higher. So it looks like we're only about halfway through the correction. What we're seeing is this period of stability because the economy is doing well. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because he's saying like, you know, the economy is doing well. There's this stability going on, but there's still some way to go in terms of hitting the bottom of the market. Look, I can't attest to Warren's perspective. Obviously, he's looking at a greater picture across the board, whereas we're looking at a smaller suburb and, and a postcode really that, you know, it's a little bit of a bubble. We don't really correspond with necessarily the rest of Australia in every aspect. So there's only a certain number of homes, there's only a certain number of properties around this peninsula and around this, uh, you know, the Bondi Beach aspect. So I don't know if we, I can say that, oh, prices are going to drop another 20%. I don't feel that that's the case in this area. And what about the median house price and the unit median prices? Because there's a bit of fluctuation going on in the market, particularly there, I suspect, in Bondi. 
Absolutely. There's definitely um, some fluctuation. I recently sold a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, level lift access in a great small building, and that sold over $2 million. And I had 15 requests for a contract, some very competitive bidding. It did sell for just above the vendor's expectations. They only purchased it three years ago. So within three years to actually not only break even, but make some money is is a little bit uh, hard to do and really seen. But that opportunity was a very unusual property. So you don't often see that. It's not a stock standard. Whereas on the flip side, I'm selling one in North Bondi in the lower price range and we don't have an abundance of buyers there. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. And being a property investor, you've got some business uh, capabilities as opposed to somebody that doesn't have business now. How difficult was it though for you starting there in Turak, your real estate career, starting and establishing yourself? Look, it's not without its challenges. Even though I had a great background, I like people and I think that's what really helped me. It's uh, establishing yourself as an agent. I hadn't been an agent before, so it just took time. But I always focused on the client, doing the absolute best for the client and I just started very slowly, did one thing well for the client, got a great result for one client, they tell someone else, and then it snowballed. You mentioned that you have sold a property for 20 or around that $20 million mark, and there were so many people that missed out, and now you're dealing with these people that have missed out, trying to get them into Turac. Yes, absolutely, Craig. So it was a very unusual property, a heritage mansion configured as a 47-room nursing home. It sold for a very high price, but the unusual thing about it is that there were seven bidders. So six buyers missed out on that property. It sold in the quote range of 20 to $22 million, undisclosed. But I'm now working with six buyers that have a budget between $20 million and $35 million to spend for something in Turak. And there is a very, very strong demand for premium high-end properties in Turak and more buyers than there are properties. So the momentum is certainly there in the market at the top end. Yeah, that might surprise a lot of people because, you know, we talk often about different speeds of the market in different cities and states. And then we have a suburb like a Turak that just seems to run at its own independent speed. Why is that, do you think? It's a fabulous suburb with so many high-end homes. So there's a great variety. There is the supply here that you have you don't have in other suburbs. And if you have a look at the BRW Rich List, Turak is the home of most billionaires in Australia. So it has a lot going for it as a suburb. Now, because that there's a lot of cash buyers, however, in Turak, how much of an effect is talking about the market reaching the bottoming out level? Is that something that actually applies to Turak or is sentiment still alive and well in Turak? Sentiment certainly does affect the market in Turak because, as you say, there are many segments of the market. So the median house price in Turak is currently 5.9 million. 
and that's up about 9% in 12 months. But there are, you know, different segments of the market do react differently. So things like apartments and townhouses have been tough in the last 12 months. But a $30 million turnkey home, we would have more buyers for that than homes available. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 